Welcome to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Hi, my name is Justin Prince. Alongside me is Taylor Burris with our producer, Wayne Owens. And what's expected to be another great show of the iRacers Download. To start things off, it was an eventful night in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series to kick off the round of 10 for the playoffs, Taylor. And in turn, that eventfulness led to a winner in Bobby Zelensky once more making the championship four. It certainly was. He was an amazing performance for Bobby Zelensky to come out with this win. I mean, a lot of unknowns were going towards that end of the race. You know, drivers were wondering, would they make it on fuel? Will the tires come into play? And then, of course, that final caution changed everything. And, of course, for Bobby Zelensky, he was able to capitalize and take home the checker flag. And now he is one of the four drivers that is going to be competing for a championship in Texas in a few weeks' time. Yes, indeed. And he now joins us on the iRacers download. First things first, Bobby, congratulations to making it to the championship four once again. How are you feeling after Darlington? Yeah, I'm just super grateful, especially after how the race went, um, decision-making and all that. It uh, it just all went my way. So um, especially, I just didn't have confidence going in. So I can only be really thankful I'm in this spot now. Let's talk a little bit about the race because the qualifying wasn't the best compared to your technical alliance mates where those drivers qualified up front and you were just around the edge of the top 10 or so for qualifying. But then with the way the cautions played out, strategy seemed to be the name of the game, especially with the fuel saving for some competitors. Yeah, I um I didn't really test qualifying, practice qualifying as much as I should have, mainly because I was struggling so much with the uh, long run pace. Like that whole uh seven hours leading up to the race i was just kind of on and off focusing on my race pace so when it came down to getting qualifying dialed in only had about 15 minutes and uh yeah just didn't get the lap in i just kind of underdrove it i just didn't have the feel uh kind of figured out so i started kind of bad in 14th um but i had most of my race pace figured out so i knew i'd at least be able to do better like if i didn't figure out my race pace and qualified well i would have dropped back so um and ultimately yeah it put us in a position where we could do a strategy of fuel saving um which you know i think at worst even if that caution doesn't come out the end i get third so uh i think it ultimately was it worked out somehow sometimes like it you're just not that good in one area and it ends up in a win so it was definitely an intriguing race because when you break it down, it was you leading 33 laps, Mitchell Dion leading 120 laps with that second place finish. And of course, Keegan Leahy trying to roll the dice on strategy got involved in one of the later incidents of cautions. He also led 11 laps. When you break it down with the behind the scenes work, your organization with Kawanda technically led almost every single lap at Darlington. What was kind of the reaction after the race knowing you were the driver who took the checker flag, but your partnership as a whole completely dominated the field? Yeah, we were pretty happy with it. We weren't actually sure if we had the best race setup or not, but we've been the best overall so far this year in qualifying uh, by a good margin. Um, and that's everything here at Darlington. So, uh, you know, it was it was interesting because Mitchell and Keegan were up there and I was kind of stuck around like 11th. So it, it gave us kind of an opportunity as an organization to like split strategies. Because when you're leading, like you can't really afford to just save fuel with no draft. You're not going to be able to do it correctly. And, and I mean, Mitchell caught right back up to us by the end of it anyway. Um, not sure if he would actually made it on fuel, funny funny enough, mm-hmm. um, but because uh, he underfueled a little bit. But um, it was still like probably the right strategy to just pit I, for, for the leaders. 
I had this happen to me at Auto Club this year. Actually, we all did. Me, him, and Keegan. Me, Mitchell, and Keegan. We, uh, we, when that race went all the way green flag, we had one extra stop to tires, and we were like four or five seconds off the lead at the end of it. Um, or it would have been between us three for that win too. So I really like that I got this one back because I felt like Auto Club was a very much a, wish, a missed win. So it, it just helped as an organization that we uh, we had two different strategies going on. It kind of guaranteed us a win in a way. Um, so, yeah, we're happy with it, but obviously we're not super happy because Keegan got wrecked. Yeah, it was a rough ending for Keegan Leahy after he tried to go a bit longer on the strategy compared to Mitchell Dion by about three to five laps and then got involved in some of the attrition after losing about five, ten seconds on track. But in terms of E-NASCAR teams, representation is Latardi Sports. Funnily enough, Steve Latart was up in the broadcast booth for that race at Darlington to start the playoffs. What was his reaction like? From your perspective, if he reached out to you, knowing he was up there watching fourth said broadcast and then seeing you come away with the big victory. Yeah, he was super hyped up. Um, he was super hyped up uh, when we uh, made the partnership at the start of the year. Um, and it was just, of all the teams that were offering me, it was uh, the clear way to go. I was able to bring my sponsor and have a lot of freedom. And Steve just is a racer's guy. Like He's going to support his drivers and what they want to do. He's not going to put any limitations on and say, you got to do this or that. Um, and he was just happy because, uh, you know, he's a crew chief, so he appreciates good strategy and good calls. Um, I, I mean, I know that, like, like if through the years, me and my friends would have little jokes, like, because they were junior fans, and he would always want to take two tires and stuff like that. So just remembering that, like, oh, yeah, now he's, like, my team boss or whatever. <laughs> and uh, got to make good strategy calls. And yeah, I think he really enjoys those, so... I think that made it pretty exciting just for him that, yeah, I made the final four, but it was also because of a strategy call. Speaking of that, Bobby, when it comes to your car owner of, you know, Steve Letard, does he give any inputs if you guys are struggling with a certain setup with trying to make sure the car works for you guys? That way you guys can perform. I mean, I know you working with VRS and drivers such as Keegan and everyone like that under the VRS banner is a big help as well. But to get that fine, minute detail stuff, does Steve give any input for that? Yeah, not really. I mean, I know Chris talks to him a bit um, over the years he's been uh, partnered up with him, but uh, usually just kind of lets us do the work and stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely message and stuff, maybe a little idea here or there, but nothing about setup, really. So like maybe about strategy or something. But uh, usually just kind of, yeah, lets us do the work. I think he trusts me and my team um, from what he's seen so far and uh, understands that, you know, we are as into this and in depth with iRacing, you know, as he would be in the real world, you know, cup series. So, um yeah, that's always cool. It certainly is. And of course, now that you have collected that first win and a, now a guaranteed spot into the final four, moving ahead now, the rest of the season is more dedicated to testing and getting ready for that final championship race at Texas. What is going to be your thoughts and preparation knowing that you have that buffer and can just strictly focus on Texas? Yeah, I mean, it could help. It could not. It, it's a little tricky because... Texas is going to be a lot of drafting. It's going to be similar to like Michigan uh, in a way or, or Pocono, which um, was, which has been like the only big tracks, I guess. Like Darlington is an intermediate, but it is like one lane. But since June, we've had this new draft package. We've only really had Pocono and Michigan to test it out on. And Texas is going to be similar to those races. So I, I have to be just as a good teammate helping, you know, at Bristol and Talladega for Keegan and Mitchell and then Chris to get top 20. 
So I'm obviously going to be helping them. I'd be a bad teammate if I didn't. I'm, I'm probably doing a little Texas. I know last year um, for Homestead, I was trying to help Keegan all the way up till he got eliminated, which was crazy because he got eliminated like on the trial coming to the line. But uh, I only really had like a week and a half of testing for that Homestead race, which honestly was enough. My driving was as best as I ever drove probably to this day. Uh, the setup was really good short run, not good long run. That's where Luz was beating me last year at Homestead. But honestly, I enjoyed that. I like preferred that because of, you know, you guys see how these races go. Be a lot shorter runs at the end of the race a lot of the times. So um, I was cool with just a week and a half of practice for it last year. And it'll probably be like two and a half weeks or three weeks this year. Because when you think about Talladega being the last, you know, playoff round, you can't really test by yourself uh, unless you're doing qualifying. So I'll definitely have a, more of a jump on Texas this year. But, uh, you know, it's it's... It's ultimately a lot dependent on my teammates. I have to test with them and draft and stuff. It certainly is. Now, take a look back in over the previous seasons of you competing for this championship. You know, last season you were in the Final Fours at Homestead. This season you're now the first driver guaranteed into that championship four. But yet you won two races, of course, this season. Not on road courses, but at Pocono, as well as here at Darlington. How would you rate so far this season going compared to other seasons because i feel like this is probably one of your most strongest seasons you've had you've had strong finishes weekend and week out yeah i don't know i mean like i felt like 2018 was definitely my worst i just struggled all year with the setup and um i mean that that year was really dependent on setup and i won sonoma and that's it but this year was it's it's a, i don't know it doesn't feel like that great of a year to be honest i mean i, I felt like i should have won Watkins Glen with just a little bit better strategy um to get you know just short pit graham um and then the first two road courses i just kind of just well a little bit got out i got out drove at road america and then like Coda was just kind of sucky and didn't really get to, to battle Mitchell for that. But it's cool to get oval wins um, more often than before. I mean, last year was definitely my best year, in my opinion. I had I scored the most points out of anybody over the full season. I had like tied for the most wins at three, you know, I won Daytona Super Speedway. So like I felt like last year at 10 top 10 or 10 top fives, like last year, unless we win the championship this year, then it's a better year. But last year seemed to be it all like seemed to be headed to our championship, which was one green white checkered away from um so this year i don't it honestly has felt crappy like it's either i'm doing good top five or winning or or wrecking and finishing 30th which has never really happened to me before usually i'm a bit more consistent than that but uh it's kind of out of your hands sometimes so i really don't know what to expect for the last race like it could go either way i'm not really tripping on it i guess now keep in mind you mentioned this a little bit with homestead it was dramatic what happened in last year's championship race for reference sake contact entering turn three between you and ryan luza in that regard for that race and i remember the emotions when working for pit reporting and road running for that side and the emotions that of shock of what happened at the time what's kind of your thoughts on how things went down there because that eventually set up that wild final few laps with the various tire sets mixed in since that was among some of the first races with the tire set allocations for those events. Yeah, and, and back then we also had too little amount of tires. Like this year they've yeah. been a bit better with it and not like purposely gave us too little tires. So yeah, I mean that race was ultimately one last year, I guess, from just, you know, like from Nick just taking a huge gamble because you know, me and Luza were much faster than him and Conti the whole race, so they kind of had to just throw something out there, um, kind of like I did at Darlington. <laughs> so, like, um, yeah, it sucked with me and Luza. Like, we were we talked the next day, and like, we're just super disappointed. Obviously, he was really pissed when it happened, which is understandable. Um, 
And I guess I would have to have more blame than him for it. But it was like one of those situations where he thought I was going to try to hang on his outside. So he, ar- he was going to arc me out. And I was backing off to get behind him. And we just like met in this weird contact. Because um, I was just going to try to set him up for the next side of the track, turn one, and, and go back at him. But um, at that point, he had a way faster car than me. I was plowing tight. And uh, then we wrecked. So then we have the green white checkers. If I just had one or two, I would have won the championship. But we had three. The guys in the back, you know, it always ends up being the guys like 20th on back that are wrecking each other going three, four wide. So I don't know. Maybe I didn't deserve to win it after to lose a thing whatever the opinion is on whose fault it was. But um, I still thought I had, a, I mean, an excellent shot if it just would have went green on the first or second green match record. But we had three, then we didn't have a caution, and Nick had enough time to get by on, like, 20-lot fresher tires. So it was, um, I felt like I gave everything I had in that race, and it was kind of like a like a top-of-the-mountain moment, like, it's going to happen here or not. But, uh, yeah, we have another chance this year. I don't know how it's going to go. It's going to be a way different race. I was about to say, you mentioned with the effects of the draft, it could be extremely different, to say the very least. Now, real quick, to close things on off, next race goes off towards Bristol. Your expectations for that event, knowing you're locked in, but still have the opportunity to try and score some good points for the team standings as well as try and help others. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, I'm not going to do any like manipulating on the track like certain drivers have in the past with, um, you know, like causing a caution or letting people go on, you know, uh, pit road or whatever. I'm gonna I'm gonna race my teammates, but because um, I, you know, I need points for the team championship. Um, we want to get Latard up there and tr- maybe get first, but it looks like we're kind of aiming for second. Um, but yeah, help them off, um, you know, testing and all that, uh, and see what I can do there. Obviously if they're with, you know, if like Keegan or Mitchell's coming behind me with a lot more speed and it's like lap 50, I'm not going to hold them up. I'm going to let them go. Like I would pretty much anybody else. So, um, that's what I'm looking at. I'm just trying not to wreck anybody in the next two races, um, which, um, since it started like 2020, I have only one incident on the incident report for my racing. So um, I, I don't think I'll have any issues getting too many incidents and like getting kicked out of Texas. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm not going to take it. Obviously, there's no stress. I just go race at Bristol and uh, see what I can do. Now, final question, Bobby. You know, you are in the final four. And let's say, for example, Mitchell, as well as Keegan, some of your teammates that you work with, what do you think that rival friendly rivalry is going to be like for the championship if those two, as well as some other teammates that you work with, make it to that final four? Yeah, I mean, once the race starts, we just race each other pretty much um, like anybody else would. Um, so I don't know, like we're, we like oh, 2019, me and Keegan made it together and we we're just working really hard the whole week on the setup, trying to make sure as best as we could get it. And it was really good. It just wasn't a short run car. Um, and, you know, we raced each other in the race. And I think if like if we have to pick between one of us, like if it's two of us in there or three of us, we're going to make sure it's hopefully one of us that wins it. We're not going to be so stupid that we cost ourselves uh, because we, we definitely want to get one as a team. This is our third year uh, with Coenda Sim Support and NASCAR. So we uh, we definitely want to get a championship, but deep down, obviously want to get it for ourselves too. So, um, sure. but we're, we're not stupid. I feel like we're we're definitely uh, mature about it, and um, you know we know we have more years together too. Certainly, indeed. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for your time. Good luck for you the rest of the season as we're now down to the final few races left, and we look forward to seeing what you can do at Bristol and, of course, at the season finale at Texas. Yep, yep. Appreciate it. Of course. That is Bobby Zelensky. He is the winner at Darlington in the first round of the playoffs in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Coming up after the break, news of the week. 
You're listening to the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. iRacing, the world's leading online simulation. Developed from the beginning as a centralized racing and competition service, iRacing organized, hosts, and officiates races on the virtual tracks all around the world. iRacing is home to a wide variety of official sanctioning series with racing from the Australian Supercars, the Cars Tour, IndyCar, IMSA, NASCAR, and the World of Outlaws. With over 80,000 drivers on the service and over 80 laser scan tracks and cars to choose from, iRacing.com is the world's premier motorsport simulation. For more information, visit iRacing.com today. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Taylor Burr is here along with Justin Prince, Wayne Owens, our producer here, Twisting the Dials. As we just finished up with our interview with Bobby Zelensky and Justin, the racing overall at Darlington was surprising as well as exciting from start to finish. Of course, Mitchell DeYoung was the most dominant driver, which surprised, I think, a lot of people going into Darlington of how strong the 23-11 team was during the first opening laps, as well as in the middle stages. But then towards the end, when the strategies of pitting and coming down pit road were just so all over the place, it seemed like there was no clear favorite right at the end. Yeah, it's an intriguing one because 23-11 racing, essentially, we're almost, it seemed like, with some of the other drivers in terms of their strategy calls, in terms of deciding how quick they wanted to go to be able to preserve the tires and be able to give clean air to the second place car in turn compared to the first place car. There were a lot of major factors in the early going of that race, Taylor, that you could see when you think about it and break down how things went on. We mentioned the technical alliance part of that factor as well. But here's a couple things to consider that kind of started the crazy bells of that particular race in what turned to be a four-caution affair. Bobby Zelensky originally tried that fuel strategy, and it was talked about that they weren't originally expecting to make it towards the end because it wouldn't have been the strategy that would have won the race if it went green, Taylor. You have to think about that because the time fall-off was massive with the timing of the caution flag coming at about 75 to go, with most of the drivers coming down by 72 to go. Bob Bryant really tried the most to try and gamble on that fuel strategy, but everyone else was just able to get it dialed in that specific lap mark, and he finished 16th. But in that regard, that caution flag absolutely saved Mitchell DeYoung for what could have been a disastrous points round, because they were essentially pushing full out, going towards a great situation. Then you get the call saying, we're a lap and a half short, one lap before the eventual caution. That's where that hesitation came from in the battle for second position at the time of that, right before that yellow flag. And it absolutely shook up the race, knowing that could have been a major game changer with how the strategies played out. In all specificness, though, once the caution did come out with some of the furious incidents involving drivers like Mains and Cook and a few of the other competitors, it absolutely became a mad scramble. I think both of us, Taylor, we can say, were surprised, to say the very least, that Malik Ray, out of all people, would say, you know what, 70 lap old tires aren't bad, let's try it. It certainly was probably one of the most interesting strategy calls, I gotta say, Justin, when Malik decided to stay out on 70 lap old tires. And was it the best decision? Unfortunately, no, no, because if you look at the finishing results for driver Malik Ray, he ends up finishing 32nd after leading only two laps. And it just shows that tires, no matter where you go or what car you drive at Darlington, will overtop any strategy call you make, no matter what. I mean, that was just only on a green-white checkered attempt, and Malik could not do anything about any of the drivers in front of him as they easily overtook and took position over him. 
and cost him dearly. So it's something that I kind of was confused about and wondered why he pulled something off, knowing that he had a better chance of coming in with at least two tires instead of staying out on old 70 lap old tires. It, it was not yeah. the best decision to make. Yeah, I was intrigued about that as well, working behind the scenes for that race. And I think there was the kind of stun, but also laughing kind of sense of tone because it was like, you know what, let's try something different. Try and see if we can shake things up because here's the thing to think about. Ryan Luza was up there trying to break through and bust up the playoff bubble. He was one of the last drivers eliminated, in fact, as a result of Busa winning at Michigan. You had drivers like Casey Curlin trying to reel him on in. This essentially, more than anything, as a result, though, hurt the exit machine of Luza because the not only the tire spin, but Malik Ray essentially saying, you know what, let's just go straight to the apron. Kind of checked up the entire bottom line and essentially was an ole to Zelensky and Dion in that regard and set it up near perfectly for them to go one to the way they did with Zelensky for Latard Esports and 2311 Racing's DeYoung coming away in second. That in turn gave Casey Kerwin the third spot with Lewis in fourth, and Jimmy Mullis, shockingly enough, Taylor, had a very, very quiet race in the train. That was among the race much of the time with the dirty air, but the top five run. It certainly is, and it helped him out dramatically once the playoff grid is now updated with the points. Of course, Bobby Zelensky, with this win at Darlington, guarantees him a spot in the championship finale. We head to Texas in a few weeks' time. Mitchell DeYoung is in second. Jimmy Mullis is third. Matt Busa, your top four. So right now, that is what it would look like if the championship were to go to Texas next week. But... The question still remains. We still have two more races to go, Bristol and Darlington, and we are Talladega, I should say. And Talladega is going to be a wild card. Bristol is going to be a track that we don't know for sure. Everyone ever talked about, especially when we had them all on last week, saying we're pointing to Bristol as a track that they could do pretty decently at. I mean, Logan Clampett as Jimmy Mullis, Matt Busa, were all pointing to looking forward to racing at Bristol, knowing that they could have a shot of winning at that track and guaranteeing them a spot into the championship four. It's a hard place to pass that, first of all, on iRacing. But it also puts on a lot of great side-by-side action in that regard, meaning you have a lot of drivers who prefer the bottom line to save tires, some who prefer the top to carry the momentum off the corners. There will be a lot of drivers countering that all throughout the night. But the biggest factor, I think, as a result is going to be, one, how the traffic plays out. Because in some circumstances, remember Graham Bullrun in 2020 getting involved in an incident at Bristol after being the race leader with the incident happening in front of him down the back straightaway. And two, the pressure to get the job done so you don't have to win in a super speedway like Talladega to close up the playoff round of 10. That's going to bring so much urgency in turn, Taylor, where you need to do well or win at Bristol. If you realistically, I think, want to be able to go to Texas. Because depending on how things shuffle out with the various builds coming up, you don't want to rely on what could happen at Talladega. Let's put it that way. Depending on how the arrow is, depending on how the package drives, and depending on who's able to make moves. That race could be such a big wild card because there's not knowing if we get a bunch of side-by-side if we get a choo-choo train along the wall at Talladega, or if we get a choo-choo train along the bottom until the very end. You want to get the job done at Bristol. You want to get it done on a short track. You certainly do. And of course, for drivers such as Bobby Zelensky, he now has that room to breathe to where he can be able to help out his teammates if he chooses to, as well as just to focus on his race, not really have to that pressure on him 
and he will have no pressure whatsoever, especially at the next round heading to Bristol, which, of course, will be coming up in a few weeks' time. You can catch the action, of course, on Countdown to Green starting at 8.30, and then, of course, finally, the race starting in 9 p.m. Of course, Evan Pasoko, Steve Letarte, and Parker Kligerman on call for the remainder of the season. But quickly before we go to the next news topic, Justin, the biggest thing also besides the battle for the championship is the battle for that coveted 20th position. Because as we know, in the rules of eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, the top 20 stay to compete for another season in 2022, while the bottom 20, 21st to 40th, had to go to the eNASCAR or eNASCAR Pro Series to battle with the top 20 of the eNASCAR Road to Pro Series and battle it out for seeing who will be part of the class of 2022. Right now, Garrett Maines holds on to that coveted 20th position. Jake Nichols, Real Fala, two surprising drivers who are outside the top 20. Chris Shearburn, also in 24. But if you go a little bit above Garrett Maines, you have Dylan Duvall, Ryan Luza, who we talked about, and Garrett Lowe, who are right in that bubble area of drivers who could flip around, switch positions all throughout these remaining three races. This is all going to be very intriguing. I'm actually surprised he remains in 20th, first of all, because he's been involved in a lot of big controversial incidents. No offense to Garrett Maines in his driving because he can be very quick around the racetrack. But two, it just shows the difficulty of trying to hold on to the top 20 because Rael Fowler, even with the victory in his good second half of the regular season or so outside the road courses, still needs to keep up the same work he did before and the same strategy gambles that he had before. Jake Nichols, he's had some decent speed over the past couple weeks. He might be someone, depending on how attrition plays out at Bristol, could swap around for that 20th. But the bigger surprises are more so the drivers deeper down the points line that you normally would see higher up compared to past seasons, like Reynolds, like Shearburn. You could put Davies in the group, Brad Davies in particular, just 202 points and only three top tens all season. There are some shockers that are not performing specifically the way we were expecting this season, Taylor, and it's going to make things very intriguing for the next couple races for the battle for 20th. It certainly is, and given the fact of how competitive this class for the 2021 Road to Pro Series is, it just shows that that Pro Series is going to be electric, it's going to be intense, and it's going to be something, probably a season we will not forget because they're getting ready for their next round at Texas on Thursday, September 2nd. And knowing not many races are left in this season, the top 20 for that currently is held by Caden Huddycutt, who's a Texas native, so a home track advantage for him. He's looking forward to probably. But drivers such as Donovan Strauss, Parker Retzlaff, Cody Bias, Brian Mercurio, Seth Demerchant, some very strong competitors going in that could possibly have a shot of battling it out with these bottom 20 in the Coke series. And I'm pretty sure guaranteeing looking at this stat of drivers that we have going into the next round of the series, we're probably going to see about half, if not maybe even all of these drivers possibly be part of the new class for 2022. I wouldn't be surprised to see at the very least a couple of them make it into the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series in time for the next-gen car for 2022 because we've seen some rocky campaigns as talked about for drivers like Wade Witt, like Malik Ray, Alan Bose, Brian Schoenberg. Some of those drivers might have the difficulty of trying to hold on because Donovan Strauss has been very consistent. He's been picking up a ton of knowledge and maturity for the past couple seasons. LaPrade, associated with some of the eNASCAR drivers could do well. And you have some organizations too 
keep in mind with Jordy Lopez Jr., with Seth Demerchant, with Michael Cozy Jr., who are trying to stake their claim and say, why not us? Why can't we have an opportunity to run in eNASCAR competition? And with ESC being among the first technical alliances who had their own eNASCAR organization in turn, I could see that path going forward with some of these teams, especially with some of the developments from the organizations already up there, having great representation. Space Station Racing, for example, Colin Keister is among those in mind. So in our words, it's going to be wild to see which teams move up, especially knowing just about all the drivers who are inside that top 20 have strong connections, some good followings, and some good backgrounds for the respective organizations to say, we can do this, we have the building blocks to be able to see from day one. It certainly is, and of course, for those of you who want to watch the replay or the events live whenever the next rounds will be, of course, Bristol and Phoenix after Texas will be coming up. You can catch all the action on Podium and Podium 2 on 9 o'clock time. So we now leave the world of NASCAR, and it's time to get a little down and dirty, Justin. That's right, as the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Championship will be returning in 2021. Season opener kicks off, of course, in November on the 15th as we head to my home track, Volusia. And I got to say, it's great to see we once again have a Dirt Oval World Championship back in 2021. I can't wait to see how it fares out because the past year when it comes to Dirt Oval racing and iRacing has been very strong when you look at some of the events outside of World of Outlaws Championship action. And there is a lot of talent that can make its way through the qualifying series this year with a lot of connections to some of the drivers, but also a lot of talents who are independents in some cases. It's going to be a very big talking point once the season starts on November 15th and how things plays out. Keep in mind, there is a new track on the schedule. Bristol Motor Speedway's dirt track gets a slot third round of the season. That's going to star next to it for me to see how the drivers fare out at a very fast, very high bank machinery track so it's going to be a fun one to say the very least but to loop back to the quick point taylor qualifying series starts off september 20th if you haven't been preparing or competing in those big events all year long in some of the best leagues in all of iRacing you've got a lot of catching up to do you certainly do and now is not the time to linger now is not the time to waste time as we look forward to that Finally, of course, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's all things Porsche and sports car racing. That is right. iRacing recently released the welcoming of a new 911 GT3 Cup car. That's based off the 992-based Porsche, as this will be the next generation that we will see competing in the Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup as we look forward to that. And we get a sneak preview this Saturday. That, of course, would be, of course, September 4th as some of the biggest names in streaming and motorsports will battle it out at the virtual Hockenheim ring in these brand new Porsches. Quick one to note, of course, that we need to talk about. IndyCar driver and Indianapolis 500 winner Tony Kanaan will be a part of the drivers listed in that rank. And it should be an intriguing event to see how the car drives, but also how those competitors fare out. Because if you're a member from the All-Star Series throughout 2021, for Porsche Takeover Esports Super Cup action, there was some great action and some great races as a result of competitors who are in this field, like Emery, like Dan Suzuki, like Borja Zanzo. It's going to be an exciting time, I think, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of fans come out and cheer on their favorite content producer and favorite driver 
to see who can come away with the victory in a special edition for the All-Stars. Certainly is. Of course, you can catch the action again once on Saturday, September 4th. It will happen around 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Porsche's Twitch streaming services. It's going to be exciting. And with that, Justin, it is time that we call it a close. Another great episode. It's hard to believe we're almost done with the world of eNASCAR racing for the season, but we have so much more great racing to talk about. We'll also have other major update news coming as we're getting so close to the end of season three and moving on into season four. It's definitely going to be an exciting time for many competitors and the amount of hype is real for the upcoming builds to keep that in mind, Taylor. So with some of the adjustments that are coming up, these drivers are going to have a lot of smiles on their faces to say the very least. Certainly is. One final race also happening over the weekend. It will be the Formula Wheel Add-on Ferrari F SFF 1000 Edition Challenge, utilizing the Ferrari GT3 cars over three different races, different driver rankings, held at Autodromo Nacional Monza on this coming weekend. Make sure to go watch that on also iRacing Streaming Services. But with that, it's time we come to a close. Thanks to Bobby Zelensky for joining us, Justin Prince, my partner in crime, our producer, Wayne Owen. I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media.